This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Her hair is so lovely. Pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to. You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 153 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Des Fafara from Devil Driver and Cold Chamber, I want to remind you that Mother's Day is coming up this Sunday, May 14th. And from now through Mother's Day, you can get 25% off all ladies' t-shirts and tank tops and My Mommy Rocks baby onesies in the online shop at mistresscarry.com. Just use the code MOM2023. This week, my guest is Des Fafara from Devil Driver and Cold Chamber, who first made an appearance on the Mistress Carrie podcast back on July 15th of 2020 on episode six. Devil Driver are getting ready to release their new album, Dealing with Demons 2, coming up this Friday, May 12th. And Cold Chamber have announced a reunion and a massive summer tour with Mudvayne. So I thought it was the perfect time to catch back up with Dez to talk about the new Devil Driver album, the Cold Chamber reunion, his almost fatal battle with COVID. Plus, we talked about Dez's upcoming autobiography. He gave me some marriage and parenting advice. We talked about the return of new metal, his pet cats, his love of Indian food, growing tomatoes and being Italian. And we even talked about his early days growing up as a drummer. You really never know what Des and I are going to talk about anytime we get together. He's one of my oldest and dearest friends in music, and I'm so excited that he's back on the show for episode 153. So allow me to reintroduce you to Des Fafara from Devil Driver and Cold Chamber. Des! 
Anastasia says hello. What's up, Des? Hello, Anastasia. How are you? Oh, my God. It's so good to see you. How are you? I'm doing great. You look fabulous. Thanks. You so look you. you look marvelous. You look marvelous. <laughs> what sucks is that anybody under 40 doesn't even get that joke. Yeah, go look it up. It's funny as hell. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I can I cuss on this today or no? Fuck yeah, dude. Bring it on. Yeah, I got it. I'm from California. I got kind of a foul mouth. So you and me both an Italian from Boston. Come on. An Italian from California. Yeah, I'm going to come <laughs> at it. Where are you right now? I am in our what we call the Oracle Tiki Room. This is our downstairs area. It's got uh, our Oracle management sign. I and then love it's got the neon, neon around it. I got a, a original 1972 turntable, a video game that was given to me by Al Jurgensen and signed with the ministry logo on it and signed to the family. Uh, some cool little dolls of me and Anastasia, a bunch of stuff over here that where people can sit. And then we have a bar. I'm sober, but we have a bar from the Mayan theater in uh, downtown LA that came out from the 1960s, actually. And then uh, up here, I have a ton. I have like probably about 150 tiki mugs, pool table. Yeah. So this is kind of our, our kind of go-to when we want to get, we, I have an office downstairs and she has an office upstairs because we manage a lot of bands and we want to kind of meet in the middle, have lunch and hang out. This is, this is where we hang right here. Well, your turntable was built the same year that I was born. Good things uh, come from 1972. Yeah. I have, I had a guy come in and go, man, you need a new turntable. I'm like, bro, you have no idea how expensive that is. Like, and it sounds like when you listen to black Sabbath on this thing, it sounds like what it's meant to sound like. So but yeah, this is our little hang room and I'm walking around doing interviews. It allows me to pace, which is, I got to do. <laughs> I do that too when I'm on the phone. I, I yeah. dust a lot. If I'm home, I dust yeah. when I'm on the phone. It's weird that we can't sit still and talk to people. Yeah. I mean, I suffer from ADD, ADHD my whole life. So it's like, you know, try to, I mean, my, actually my autobiography is coming out between June and August of this year with on Rare Bird and it's done. And there's actually a story about a, elementary school teacher that tied me to my chair for an afternoon well she would have gone to prison now but because i wouldn't stop moving around so i i've kind of i've suffered from that my whole life i use it toward i use it for me you know i mean because i run multiple companies on huge levels and we could get into that but um i use it as a tool and somebody actually just was interviewing me now and said you know that that could be kind of a superpower add and i said it can if you stay off the Ritalin and off the, the drugs they're going to give you for it, if you stay off of that and you utilize it, it's, it absolutely is. So yeah, I, I tend to pace around a lot. If I, so if I, if I'm making you dizzy at all and I'm walking around, I'll try to be, I'll try to be calm. It's like an Anastasia episode of Wayne's to... world. Like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think with anything in, in your life, I think if you, if you find a way to kind of tackle it head on and be positive, um, you can you can not only live with it but thrive with it. So you obviously yeah. have figured it out. Absolutely. I mean, it drove my mom and you know insane when I was younger. I mean, it drives Anastasia crazy. I only sleep four hours a night. So like, if I find myself falling asleep at ten o'clock, I'm down in my studio at two o'clock. I'm painting or writing or and I'm up for the day. And you feel fine only sleeping four hours a night. My whole life, I don't know what it is. I mean, even. 
you know, obviously I had a heart doctor because I just came through COVID and it almost killed me. And my heart doctor's like, yeah, you, you're great. You know, when it comes to, when it comes to sleep, it's just, some people are just like that, you know? Didn't Thomas Edison say that he only slept a few hours a night and then he thought sleep was a waste of time? <laughs> yeah. I think him and Nikola, uh, Tesla as well. Uh, Nicholas Tesla. I think he only, I think he only caught two, three hours a night. And obviously I'm not comparing myself to those guys. <laughs> I'm not inventing, you know, I'm not inventing anything other than art, but I mean, it, it definitely works for me. You know, so the, for instance, is last night we crashed out about what, 11 o'clock stage, about 11 o'clock. And I was up at two 30 this morning, had coffee. was in my studio writing. I like to watch the sun come up. I spent 25 years making sure I could get in my bus before the sun came up. So now when I'm home, I'm much obliged and I'm in love with watching, watching the sunrise. You know what I mean? Well, it's a testament to the strength of your long heavy metal marriage that <laughs> you guys have found a way to not kill each other with kind of opposite sleep schedules. Cause my <laughs> right. husband, I got married since I saw you last Oh, I didn't know. Congratulations. Thank you. I got married in the driveway in the height of COVID because why not? And he's in the military and he gets up like with the sun and I want to kill him because I don't <laughs> want to get up with the sun. Yeah, there's something amazing to it, man. You know, the ancients worship the sun for a reason. So that's just something so beautiful about it. And um, especially now for me, um, I had an episode uh, in late 2021 where uh, I contracted COVID and I almost died. And um, I, so now I, there's just, there's something special about it. I wake up every day. I see the sun. I say my thank yous to the sun. I take a couple real deep breaths and I get on with the day. So, yeah. I had to look it up. You and I spent a long time. You were one of the first guests on the show. So, I got to thank you because you were on episode six of the Mistress Carrie podcast, which came out July 15th of 2020. Right. Okay. And in the three years, you know, I, I was off the radio. Now I'm back on the radio in a big way. The podcast is awesome. But you and I talked for over two hours. And one of the things we spent a lot of time talking about was the responsibility of marriage and you taking care of Anastasia when she went through her health battle. Who yeah. would have guessed that after you and I talked a year later, she would get her opportunity to nurse you back to health. I'm so glad yeah. that you're okay or on the mend. Thank you. Yeah. We're best friends. I don't put anybody before. Her. I'm not one of those guys who's like, you know, I have guys night out. Or, you know, the wives are for, I mean, I'm, I'm Italian, so like the wives are for Friday night, the girlfriends are for Saturday. Like, it doesn't work like that with me. So in 2019, yep, she had to go through cancer surgeries and I had to tear everything down and just take care of my best friend, which was, uh, you know, hard for the whole family. But she came, she was a trooper, man. I think we were all more down than she was. She was like, she was like down here in this room, like daily after going to, uh, the hospital and stuff, listening to Donna summer and stuff. And just like, you know, she was having edit. She was like, Hey, I got, I've had a great life. I've raised great kids. If this is it. And I'm like, a, this isn't it B. Wow. I worship this in you. And then yes, in 2000. And so for people who don't know, in 
late t- 2021, uh, after staying away from people for a long time, I went out to my gym to see if I was still signed up there. They said, oh, hey, Des, good to see you. Yeah, we moved some equipment. Come check it, come check it out. I walked around for like 20 minutes, saw some other people, came back home. 48 hours later, I had 104-degree fever. She found me passed out on my living room floor, cut to a week later. Uh, she's driving me into a makeshift hospital where a guy's coming out in a hazmat suit, grabbing me and literally going, take this one first. So I was like, is this it? Uh, you know, thank God I started, uh, thank God I started ivermectin. I'll just say that straight now where I, it saved my life. Um, they put set, they put four huge antibody shots. Keep in mind, not the, not the virus shots, but the antibody shots in my stomach. It was really not good. So it left me with heart problems. It left me uh, where I couldn't even walk across my street to get my mail without sitting down for 10 minutes, man. So I had to take all of 2022 off and without her, uh, it's hard to talk about. Without her, I would have never made it out. So I had to live downstairs in my living room for about eight or nine months. She would walk me up one house and one house back and the next day, see if we could walk two houses. And no, we can't. Let's walk back up one house. I got from that to I can walk on a treadmill for a mile. I got to that. It, over a course of 14 months, I got to a place where I could run five miles. Now I said, buy me a sauna suit. And she's like, man, they left you with heart problems. Like, I'm not going to have this. I said, buy me a sauna suit. So then I went to a point where I could run five miles in a sauna suit which was insane and sing the set at the same time, the devil driver set. That's when I knew, okay, I can tour. So what happens is with COVID, I, I smoke cannabis at night. So it stopped it from going into my lungs. So you can Google this. It stops what called cytokine storms. So if you smoke cannabis, it really won't, it, it should not go attack your lungs, but it attacked my heart. And and left me with heart problems where my doctor was like, listen, I need to get you in for open heart surgery. And I need you in next week. And I'm like, this is the way this is going. Like, this is not how this is going. So I told him, now you're not going to open me up. I'll see you in like two months. I'm going to handle this holistically. I'm a hippie. I do meditation. I yoga, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, let me be honest with you. If you come back here in two months, I'll be surprised. So if you're back here and you're alive in two months, I'll see you. So what I did is I, and I'm, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not prescribing this, but what I did is I went online. I found a, a, a medication from India and it was something that you made. So it's fresh turmeric, fresh garlic, fresh ginger, apple cider vinegar, honey, and cinnamon. You, you take all these fresh ingredients, you peel them all out, you, you mash them all together in a, in a blender, you put it in a huge pot, you boil it way down, you put it in small six ounces jars and you drink it every day on an empty stomach. And I, I drank it religiously for like two months. I went back in, they shot nuclear dye into me, put me in a huge machine, you know, doing all this, you know, heart stuff, looking at my heart. And um, he came back in with the first smile that I seen this guy have in months, in months. And he's like, I don't know what you did, man. He's like, but you cleared your heart. You have a small bit of inflammation in the lower part of your heart. So I just want you to stay off long, high plane flights for now. If you got to take a quick pedal jumper, I understand, but stay off of real long plane flights. And then I looked at him and I realized, uh, I was like, Doc, I was like, you're from India, right? You're Indian. He's like, yeah, from India. I'm like, uh, 
I drank this mix. This is what I did. This is what cleared my heart out. You may want to tell your patients, you know? And he goes, oh, my wife and my sister drink that all the time. And I go, bro, you couldn't tell me? Like, you couldn't tell me? And he goes, no, I'd lose my license. So I lost my faith in Western medicine during that time. Now, now, when Anastasia had to go in for her surgeries uh, for cancer, I mean, I had a lot of faith in Western medicine. The, the doctors saved their lives. I mean, they wheeled her in playing Nirvana, which was I thought was. <laughs> I was like, I was like, a she's a little goth girl, so I don't even know, you know, if she's a uh, you know Nirvana fan. Are you even a Nirvana fan, Anastasia? Okay, I love Nirvanas. I was never, I never got bit by she the Nirvana. She does group. now. If she didn't before, she loves them now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's the story behind that. And so every day I'm up, it's like, I'm up, I watch the sun, I give my wife a kiss, I try to do something good for somebody around me. I try to like really take advantage of this life, you know? And, I had just had this conversation with somebody because they were talking about like dreading a birthday. Yeah. And, I haven't had a near death experience like what you're talking about with COVID, but unfortunately, and I think when you get to you and I's age, especially in the industry we work in, we're going to lose friends early. And it yeah, really, I mean, like when you're in your thirties, like you and me, when you're when we're in our thirties, oh, we're bulletproof. <laughs> bulletproof, yeah. like what? Like yeah. what do you mean? But I feel yeah. like, correct me if I'm wrong, like the older I get. I realize that aging is a gift. Oh, yeah. That not everybody gets. And I really, especially since I turned 50, which, you know, that that was a little bit of a, whew, like, realization, right? But yeah. I But I look at it like, what an honor and a privilege that not everybody gets, that you get to get old. And here's the thing, like, I think with our generation, like, first of all, you look like you're in your late 30s. So, I spent, uh, not last night, but the night before, out bombing hills on my skateboard with my sons. You know what I'm saying? So I think I, I think there's our generation is it's a different story. Like when I was younger and my my grandparents were in their 50s, they were done. I mean, I mean, done. And my wife had to call me the other night. And be like, hey, it's 1030 at night. Are you coming home? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we got, you know, we're going to skate home. We'll be home in a minute, you know. So uh, there's just something about. And here's another thing, man. Like, you know, oh, I don't want to celebrate my birthday. It's like, to be honest with you, I don't even know if the ancients celebrated their birthdays, right? I don't really do that thing. Oh, today I'm 38. Today I'm 42. Like, I don't really celebrate the birthday thing. I really don't. So maybe if you just stop doing that, You'll start going back in age. I mean, who knows, you know? And then you got to pick up stuff that you used to do when you were a kid, you know? Like, I mean, I told Anastasia, I'll know I'm done when I can't. We have a huge hill by our house. And I said, I'll know I'm done when I can't bomb that hill that most 20-year-old <laughs> kids won't do, you know? And so every year from my birthday, that's what I do. I get on a longboard and I go bomb this hill that could have me end up in the hospital at critical, you know what I mean? Every time I do it and I'm like, all right, I'm good. All right, I did that this year. That's my celebration to myself, you know? I go so, yeah, skydiving. I yeah, there you go. There you go. I mean, you can't, it's that you shouldn't. Yeah, Anastasia said, it's not that you can't, it's that you shouldn't, do you hear her? <laughs> oh, I heard her. Hilarious. So I think, look, you know, 
don't don't think of age, age as a number. I mean, unless you obviously you can't walk or you can't see anymore, you can't hear. I mean, I only have 50 percent hearing in my left ear because I've given my life to music. But, you know, that's what it is. Right. So I had a long what- conversation with Kevin Martin from Candlebox about this topic. And um, do, have you heard of the Brimley cocoon line? Have you ever heard of this thing? No, what? Because it it goes back to what you're talking about, about our parents' generation. So you remember that movie Cocoon, right, with Wilford Brimley? Yeah. When Wilford Brimley starred in that movie, when when Cocoon came out in theaters, Wilford Brimley, the guy that was cast as the grandpa, was 18,530 days old, which meant he was 50 years, nine months, and six days old. And he okay. and he looked like Wilford Brimley in Cocoon. You remember him, the old guy with the mustache, looked like a damn walrus. Yeah. So it's called crossing the Brimley Cocoon line when you hit eighteen thousand five hundred and thirty days old. And there's a Twitter feed when people cross the Brimley Cocoon line. People like J Lo, right? I'm gonna cross the Brimley Brimley Cocoon line this summer. But if you look, like the Golden Girls were in their 50s. Old age is different than it was a generation or two ago. It's just looked at completely different. Our generation refuses to get old. No, I, you know, if I had to go to the mall to go to Lens Crafters or something and pick up contacts or whatever. Gotta get your readers. I, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in Zoomies buying skate decks or I'm in Vans <laughs> buying, I mean, you know, it's just not, it's not going to change for me. Uh, until it makes me change. Right. And so, I mean, it's part of the reason I waited till 2023 to get back on tour behind dealing with demons too, is I wanted to make sure I could do it. I have 110% tattooed on my knuckles and I wanted to make sure I could do it at 110%. I mean, you've seen me since I was a kid on stage and I was like, unless I can do it the way that I do it, I'm not going to do it. So I think just, you know, and then watch your health. You know, I stopped drinking and early to, or, uh, October, 2016, I stopped all alcohol that will age you quicker than anything. Those late night booze sessions and hungover days like are way in the past for me. I laugh now. I mean, when dudes are like, bro, I wish I could come over, but I'm so hungover. I'm like, yeah. And you did it to yourself. Awesome. Yeah. So dude, just-, just a few weeks ago, I just had this conversation just a few weeks ago I stood at the finish line of the Boston Marathon and cheered on John Connolly from Seven Dust, who ran it like a fucking beast. Yeah, yeah. We had a conversation yeah. about how those 24 Seven Dust days are just long gone. Yeah, no, man. I just actually I just came across something. I don't know. They just played somewhere. And I mean, obviously, I follow the LJ and I'm, I, I like those guys a lot. I've known them forever. Um, and I just saw something of them on stage. And man, it's like, it's like they they never missed a beat. I got I got uh, so much uh, admiration for you know for guys over forty doing it the right way, you know. And don't get me wrong, like I'm I don't know how long I'm going to stay as long as I have something to offer and as long as records start getting like you know like dealing with demons two right now is getting insane reviews. Sh- you know, shit that doesn't happen on a fucking tenth record. To be I honest, I just with you. was so- reading some of them online that people are saying like twenty years later the band is better than ever. It's fucking unbelievable. I mean, I'm speaking to a guy in Germany and Germany is so hard to win over. I don't even want to go into it. Talk to every musician that you talk to about Germany. Very hard to win over. Kind of like Texas. 
if you win over Texas, you're good to go. And uh, this guy said to me this two days ago, said, Des, I got to be honest with you. This is the best record you guys have ever done. And I said, okay. I mean, the bottom line is if you get, if you get two to four years in this business, it's a miracle. If you get five to seven years, three, four records, get on your knees until they bleed with blessings. But if you have a 28, 29, 30 year career like me, 10 records with Devil Driver, five, six counting different, you know, uh, best subs or whatever with Cold Chamber, I don't know what to say. I wake up every day humble, grateful, appreciative. There's not a time someone doesn't stop me like, you know, this morning actually in Ralph's grocery store. Can I have a photo? I'm like, yeah, let me let me put my almond milk down. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, yeah, let's take a photo. And I think that, um, yeah, I don't know, man. We're on our 10th record. The reviews are insane right now. I'm I'm really on the, at the top of the world with this thing right now. I really, it's it's great. Only because I've got to tell you that these records uh, were done and in the can in 2020. And they're supposed to come out back to back a year apart. And they're very short for a reason. 36, 38 minutes. That's a short record. They're meant to be listened to together. We're supposed to come out back to back. And that's not what the universe had in, in plan for me. And so this record has been on ice for like two years, two and a half years. And there's nothing I mean, that you would go back and change. No, nothing. And a matter of fact, first time in my career, I changed the sequence to volume two three times. The guy that was mastering my record finally called me on the phone and was like, bro, you can't do this to me again. <laughs> like it takes four, four hours to resequence. And I said, listen, dealing with demons two. I want to open it with, I have no pity, make the change. I promise you it'll be my last. And Anastasia actually had to get on the phone with him and promise him it would be my last. So, and it was my last change, thankfully. <laughs> so, so thank you, Alan. Alan Duche, he's mastered some of the biggest records of all time. And so, yeah, that that's that's where that is. So, Well, you, you kind of answered this question, but I ask a lot of musicians this question. Is it harder, talking about the music business and a record deal and all that, is it harder to get in or stay in? What do you think? Both. I think both. I think you got to be tremendously good. You used to be able to be good and pack your local club out. Now you're going to get a record deal. That's not the way it goes anymore. You could be good, pack your local club out, 500 people every time you play, and no one cares because on Instagram you have 200 followers. On Facebook, you got a thousand followers. And I think that's ridiculous. We as a management company and a lot of the labels that I actually deal with, I don't look at that. When an artist comes to me, uh, I don't look at that at all. You know, um, I, I just don't. And so it's very hard to enter. But I think staying in it with the climate being what it is and Internet warriors being what they are, you're lucky if you get two to four years. I mean, I've seen it with a ton of bands. I could name five, six bands right now. And everyone's like, have you heard of them? Yeah, I have. Their second record comes out. Have you heard the second record? It's amazing. Yes, I have. Record three, they're done. Right, they've broken up. They've this, they've that. Their scene has died out, what have you. You know, so it's it, it's not only difficult to get in, I think it's difficult to stay in. And when you see survivors, and when I say that, it could be anybody from Metallica to you know, Seven Dust. When you see survivors of the music industry, that's when you know, you know, they've done something right, but they've also definitely had the blessing of the wind behind their back. We spent a lot of time talking about your battle with COVID and, and getting your health back. And 
If you're going to find a silver lining to that, go into what we're talking about now. Could you ever have imagined a time that you thought Cole Chamber was going to get back together and go out on the road the way that they are now? If it wasn't for you being so sick and this kind of just happening. Yeah. I mean, when we got, I say this all the time, when we released Rivals like 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, we were way too early. <laughs> New Metal was not coming back at that time. Like that, we were, we were bucking the system. I, I say now, if we were to release, release Rivals now, that record would have blown up. And during that time, I was still drinking. They were still partying. And nothing had changed. We went on the road. We had a good time. But it just wasn't for me. I wanted to go back to Devil Driver, which is my girl. And I just wanted to go back to my girl. And um, what happened was, you know, Anastasia, for those listening, watching, what happened was when I was actually saying goodbyes and telling my wife I love her and telling my kids I love them and telling her, like, don't don't sell my 1978 Cadillac that I actually have from the movie Casino. Like, you better get four plots and bury me in it. <laughs> it. Right? Like, literally those kind of conversations. I mean, she called them. She called some other people around me, but she called Meigs and Mike and Nadia and said, you better call Des now because I don't know. Like, even right now, he's laying here screaming in pain. He's The migraines are so insane. I mean, at one point, I was like, get me get me out of this like i'm willing to take myself out if this is what it's going to be like i mean but i just held in i you know she was like we're going to do this we're going to you know we're going to get you back on stage we're going to all i want to do is get back on stage one more time and sing one more song that's all so she's like let's focus on that so she called them they called me daily for a year before we ever decided to do shows finally somebody i think it was mike or even or maybe both of them said hey should we do a show and i said we're such good friends right now. You guys have your shit together. I have my shit together. Not that I didn't, but I, even more so, I got my shit together. I would rather be friends with you guys than blow that. And they went, no, 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 man. Let's do a couple shows. So here we go. We got the sick new world offer. We're going to play incarceration. We're going to do Blue Ridge. And I was like, you know, that's it. We're going to do three shows this year. Let's bring our families out. Mike, you bring your wife and your kid. You know, Meigs has his daughter out and his wife. My wife, I mean, it's like a huge family affair now. And then we got the call from Mudvayne and they said, July, August, 18 to 25,000 seat amphitheaters, which I thought was incredibly ambitious. I was in. I'm always in for that, right? <laughs> right. Well, you're talking you know, about new metal being back. They're yeah. another perfect example of yep. these bands and what cracks me up and you'll appreciate this because we've been friends since the beginning of both of our careers. True. I had an idea that this kind of musical cycle was coming back around because I'd be out at shows or, or just online even posting up old pictures. Cause I got super sentimental after AAF went off the air, started digging through literal photographs that I had to scan to be able to post online <laughs> Yeah, And I started getting these comments from quote unquote kids that, yeah. that weren't old enough to see the mid to late 90s shows that you and That's I right. were smack dab in the middle of it. The way that like our generation was like, you saw Zeppelin? Like what? And all of a sudden people started going, wait, you were at Woodstock 99? Wait, you were at the Oz... 
And then they started seeing these pictures of me with the original lineups of Cold Chamber and Deftones and Seven Dust and Lincoln. And they're like, Rage Against the Machine. And I was like, oh my God, this new generation yeah. is going to go back and rediscover this music. And it's back bigger than ever. It's insane. It is, man. It is. I mean, I I see it all the time. Uh, where were we the other day? We were... Uh, we dropped in somewhere to get my youngest some food or whatever. And this kid comes in kid. I mean, he's 14, man. I mean, he, the acne, he's in a kid who's 14 years old, you know, and he's wearing a fucking corn shirt. And I was like, that is so badass. I said to my wife, that is, that is so badass. And I mean, I even see it. It's strange enough. I even see it on the last Devil Driver tour. We went out with Cradle of Filth and Devil Driver did a co-headline run. And I kept it on the West Coast, very short run, make sure my health was good, all that, right? We just got home. We've been home like, I want to think three weeks or something like that. And um, three to four weeks. And our fan base, I'm looking in the audience and I'm getting off stage and I go down to stage. Did you see the front row? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, they're 18. They're 17. They're 21. Like there's a couple guys in the back that are 40. Like I've been following this band forever, but the crowd is young. It's insane. So look, everything comes back around. I have, uh, I have three sisters and um, I remember my mom always saying, you know, don't get rid of your tall boots. Don't get rid of your whatever. Cause fashions come around. Like I was raised with that with them. You know, mom, I don't want to wear this anymore. Put it in your closet. Trust me. It's going to come around five, 10 years from now. And it's true. Then it's the same thing with music. You know, and if you look at the biggest bands on the planet, like really look at them. Disturbed. I mean, uh, they were uh, the later, later half of the new metal thing, uh, the radio new metal ha later half. Right. But they're Rage huge. against the machine could get Rage. inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What? Huge, huge. Deftones, Corn. I mean, they're all massive and it's 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 awesome to see it's awesome to see that that genre and that genre went through some pain man there was a time when new metal was just not a good word and i held true to myself i was like whatever i'm so proud of what i've done like i've never backed away from it people are like oh you left coal chamber to start devil driver because you knew new metal was dying it's like what I left at the height of my career. I had my own tour bus. I'm not even going to disclose the kind of money I was making weekly, let alone the royalties. No, I left because the band was, we weren't getting along. It was time to leave, man. I had a wife and two young kids at home and I want to start something new and fresh and, and heavier and more groovy and this and that. So no, it's good to see it coming back around because it had a, it had a dirty stink on it for a minute where even some of the bands now that came out that are very plainly new metal are like, we're not new metal. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yes, you are. Are you kidding me? You are leading the charge for, for everything. Right. I mean, people, I don't know if people remember, but I mean, back in the day, the bands that did come out first were like corn, Deftones, Cold Chamber. Everything else came out second, static system, disturbed, uh, Limp Bizkit. Like that was all, the second second wave it's awesome to see it coming back around it is because some of those bands for me are the best bands on the planet and we talk about a band like the deftones i mean i mean you're talking about an incredible fucking music project man you know so it's it's awesome to a see those bands still going b see it come back around and now like with sick new world fest which i leave for in i don't even know i don't even know what date it is but like 12 years i mean uh, uh, um, 12 days, 12, 13 days from now or whatever. You know what I mean? 
12 years. <laughs> I need more coffee. Well, you know what's crazy? Since since you and I saw each other last, I told you I got married. I also became the bonus mom to two teenagers now. Oh, awesome. And so you you and I have had a lot of conversations about your kids. And now I have a 14-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter. And I'm like, what is going on? Let me give you some advice. Please, hold on. Let me take a sip of my coffee, too, and buckle up for this one. Yeah, this is green tea, right? It's tasty, actually. <laughs> um. That's good, Anastasia. Um, I can tell you guys have been married for a thousand years because like, you can't get through a thought without checking with her on something. I don't it's go hilarious. anywhere without her either. I don't go, like now it's my bunk on the bus and hers. I don't go anywhere without her. I won't do anything without her. If I got to go alone, I cancel. That's all there is to it because I'm not spending one minute away from her. She stayed home for 20 years raising the kids while I was on a tour bus, you know, riding on top of the tour bus at 70 miles an hour drunk off of whiskey. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not leaving her. But- What'd you say? <laughs> yeah, hilarious. I mean, here's my advice to you, right? I have three sons. I've never yelled at them. I've grounded one of them once. I've never struck them once. They never even got a spanking when they were younger, ever. Be friends with your teenager. The minute you try to be a parent and like, I want to be a parent, you better look up to me. It's like, you've lost the battle, man. So I'm best friends with my kids. My sons are best friends with me. Uh, my, my youngest, who's uh, 25, just came out on tour with me. He's a singer. He sound checked for me every day. He sounds just like, exactly like me. Actually better. He can sing clean way better than I can, to be honest with you. My middle son, Caleb, runs my company, Sun Cult. He's actually a manager here and an assistant here. And he knows business like nobody else's business. He's on time, prompt, more professional than any. He's like a 50-year-old man stuck in a, a 28-year-old body. <laughs> and, and, I, and it's like, be friends with your teenagers and be fun with them and laugh with them. The minute you try to be like, you know, Hey, don't cut up at the dinner table. You know, the minute you try to like, that's how I was raised. Like I got my ass beat. I got my ass handed to me by so many stepfathers. I can't even t- like my ass beat handed to me. And I said, I'm breaking the chain. I'm never doing that with my kids ever. I mean, of course. And, and usually a parent was like, well, they need to fear me. It's like, what are you fucking insane? Like you have a dog, right? Yeah. Does your dog fear you? No, he comes right up to me. He loves me. Of course. Why the fuck would you want your kids to fear you? You want your kids' friends to fear you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want, I want, like, I wanted their teachers to fear me. Like when their teachers fucked with them, I would go, oh, yeah, I'm coming to the PTA meeting. That and I'm coming. I would have given any like amount this. of money to see Des oh. walk into the PTA. Oh, bro. Oh, bro. My, my middle son. My middle son, Caleb, he probably won't like me telling the story, but I'm going to. They called me three days before he's going to graduate high school. The kid got great grades. He just fucked up on one class because he hated it. It is what it is. It is fucking what it is. And they called me. It's like, oh, we don't know if he's going to graduate. Five minutes later, I was down there in a fucking cut off black T-shirt with tattoos all over my face in the principal's face going, you have a fucking problem. And he's like, no, you have a problem. I go, no, you are going to have a big problem. Because if you don't let my kid walk down the aisle, this shit's about ready to get streaked. And he's like, oh, are you threatening me? I go, bro, take it to however the fuck you want. Like, I'm Italian. This is the way that it fucking goes. You better fucking listen to what I have to say right now. You the know? non-Italians so don't understand. It's to the core. It's to our marrow. You can't, you and I can't, and I, tr- I try to have this conversation with my husband all the time. 
I wish that I was one of those people that was able to be stoic and hide how I'm feeling. And I just, I can't. It bubbles out of me like a volcano. I can't. If I'm happy, you can hear my laugh from a mile away. And if I'm mad, you can hear my anger from a mile away. I just, I envy people that can keep their emotions in check because I can't do it. I mean, I I can, don't get me wrong. I'm around certain people. I'm very stoic and I'm the last one to talk in a room. So you better, you got to fear that person. Yeah. The guy who's the last one to talk, fear him, watch him closely. But if you're going to mess with my family, if you're going to mess with my kids, you're going to try to fuck with my wife, especially in business, doing in Oracle management. I've only had one time in seven years. I actually had to call somebody and said, next time you talk down to her on the phone, I'm going to come to your fucking office. I'm going to kick your ass. I'm going to call the cops on myself. I'm going to stay two nights in jail, eat a bologna sandwich and a couple push-ups, but you're going to go to the fucking hospital. <laughs> so that's it. But I think that's the way that life should be, right? Look, yeah. be loving, be giving have charity and love in your heart. Always do good by people. Never fucking carry ego or hate or any of this around ever. But if someone fucks with your family, fucks with your kids, fucks with your wife, fucks with your means, you that's it. You don't fuck with the money, baby. Then you're going to come unhinged. You know what I mean? Then you, then I'm going to come unhinged on you. You know, luckily I haven't been able to, I wouldn't haven't had to be put in too many of those spots really in business because most people want to stay professional. Um, well, for me, for me, I get to be the fun mom because I'm the bonus mom. (laughs) So it's like, it's like I, uh, you know, that whole thing that you're talking about, like, I I don't have a choice but to be like the friend. I'm the fun mom. I'm not the one that has to ground anybody. I, I'm the purple haired stepmom that gets to take them to concerts. Yeah. And what you say is, look, do me a favor. You ever want to talk to me? Come talk to me. Yeah. If you ever really got something you're going through, don't feel like you got to go through it by yourself. We're a family. We're familia here. So just come home, meet with the family. There's nothing we can't take care of. You know, two rules. Never let anybody outside the family know what you're thinking. And that comes from a, a movie everybody may know. And second, always come to the family with your problems. No one can solve it harder than we can. And number three, don't share all your happinesses with all your friends and everybody because nobody gives a fuck about your wins or your happinesses besides your family, your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters. Everybody else is going to be jealous and just look at you fucking cross-eyed and want what you have. So those are the three rules I've raised my sons with. And they're great kids. They're amazing, uh, outstanding young men that I'm proud of every day. I mean, they're actually at the gym together right now working <laughs> out. <laughs> so, you know. You can appreciate this. I've realized I have created monsters, though, because those kids have never walked in the front door of a concert hall. They've never scanned their ticket. They've never had to go through. They think it's normal to hang out with the bands in the dressing rooms. And I said to my husband, I'm like, this is going to come back to haunt us, you know, like like, we're starting something we're not going to be able to stop. It came back to haunt me. I put my kid in the clouds over California video, my youngest. Uh, and I put him on a record that year, actually at nine years old. He guested with me and he had that voice at nine to guest with me. And now it's like I listen to him and I just it's just it's me. It's a chip off the old. I mean, it's unbelievable. He went on tour with me and every day he went and sound checked two, three, four songs. They're all over YouTube. For me, because I never sound check. It blows my voice out. 
you know, some singers like to sound check. I hate it. Ruins my voice for the show, to be honest with you. And he sound check. And I'm like, it's unbelievable. It's like listening to myself, except the kid is, you know, half my age. So, yeah, you, you know, you may, it may come back to haunt you for sure. And then all of a sudden it's like, for Christmas, I want a guitar. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> no, my stepson was like, I really want to check out your studio because I think I want to get into podcasting. And I was like, fuck, I'm going to lose my job to this kid. <laughs> you know what you do? You have him on the podcast and have him lead the situation for, for, a, for a guest or so, you know, or side by side with you. Next thing you know, I mean, who knows what you could, what could happen? Yeah. You know, next thing you know, he's getting a call from Fox News or whatever, and they're offering him $2 million a year. I mean, you never know how it's going to go down. You know yeah. what I mean? Do you... Do you have musical ability in the family before you? Do you think your son got it from you? And where did it come from? No. Uh, my father is a very well, I wasn't raised with him, but my father's a very well-known actor. Uh, I mean, he was he was Tui on Leave it to Beaver. Actually, my uncle was Whitey on Leave it to Beaver. My, my father, Tiger Fafara, if you go to his IMDb, it's insane, the things that he's done. But I, uh, and I used to hear him sing in church when I would go to his house and go to church with him. But other than that, I think the ability that came from me growing up on punk rock and psychobilly and new wave. And I wanted to be a singer, you know, I was, when I was 14 to 16 years old and this is, this is coming out all in my, my autobiography that's coming out this year on rare bird. Uh, uh, but I, um, I was a drummer in a psychobilly band from the time I was 14 to about 16, 17 years old. And then after that, I realized like, I really don't want to be behind everybody and watching everybody's ass. Like it's not. There are a I, lot of great front men in rock and roll that started out behind the drum kit and were like, this view back here sucks. <laughs> exactly. I said, somebody said to me the other day about their drummers and we were having a conversation. It was a singer I was speaking with. It's like, my drummer is just always so salty. And I said, it's because they're looking at your ass every night. All night long. And you got to love that job because you're loading in your shit. You're loading it out. Like you got to love that job. I've been fortunate to have some great drummers around me in the bands that I've had. So uh, I just wanted to move on, you know? So I don't know. I think that ability just comes from my love of music. I mean, Carrie, I swear to God, me and my wife have probably watched TV two hours in the last year. We just don't. We, you know, we're not even like, we'll watch a movie maybe once a week, but we're, we're, we're writing, we're working on our businesses, we're painting together, we both paint, we both sculpt, go to a pottery studio and sculpt, like we're both artists. And so, you know, I, I just think that art has come from my family. I have a lot of other family members on my father's side as well that are like, uh, um, they're writers for movies, like one of them wrote Baskets and a bunch of other really killer stuff. And then they're costume designers for movies, and we're, and we're costume designers like in the 60s and 70s uh, and stuff like that as well. So I think there's there's artistic side that runs in my family, but the music side. Um, oh, actually, my br my dad's brother, Stanley, who was Whitey on Leave it to Beaver, was an incredible drummer. Actually, the drummer, Jane Kr or Krupa, John Krupa. Yeah. Gene Krupa actually told Stan that at, at a young age that he was one of the best drummers he ever saw. So I guess maybe, yeah, maybe right there. Uh, there is now, a little now, genetic component to it. I went out and work it out through with you. But yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I got to ask you this question, and it's something that didn't come up on the show until long after I had you on the first time. 
Um, and now I ask every songwriter this question. Can you give me an example of a song, and this is a craft question, okay. that you think is so perfectly crafted that you wish you wrote it? Doesn't matter the genre, doesn't matter the artist, but then you got to break it. Hell's Bells. I never get the question out. Tell me why. Hell's Bells by ACDC. First of all, I think Back in Black is like the most perfect record ever written. Like ever and I'm, we can go back and talk about Bon Scott and everything else, but it's just like the most perfect record ever written. And the most uh, unlikely I, record, right? Bon Scott dies five months later. ACDC has a new singer and the greatest album of their career and one of the greatest rock albums ever. It's so of all time. crazy. Of all, all time. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this or watching this and you're 15 years old and you never, and you think ACDC is old and you never heard it, go put on Back in Black and you'll see what I'm talking about. So the song is 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 crafted well has those intros with the bells it's not too long it's not too short chorus comes in quick enough the verses are like i mean i got goosebumps actually on my arms right now because the the verses are insane you know i'm roaring thunder pouring rain it's like then you're like okay i'm in but then he's like i'm coming on like a hurricane you're like white lightning's flashing across the sky and you're like okay i don't even know what to say here Right. You're only young, but you're going to die. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, I got goosebumps on my arms right now. For real. Like. So, yeah, the perfect, 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 perfect. Yeah. And and one of my favorite bands of all time. They don't even fit in with anything. <laughs> yeah. they you know? And they've influenced everybody. Yeah. What would you say, Anastasia? Nothing else is being stupid. Yeah. I mean, she. And actually, what she just said was like, yeah, and we listen to that song at nauseum sometime because, yeah, it's true. Like if I'm gardening outside, which I have a big property, we go out and garden or whatever. I'm like, she wants to listen to something peaceful. I'm like, fuck that, man. Put on ACDC. Let's go. The Let's tomatoes to need ACDC. <laughs> hey, it's either that or Jerry Vale for me, but I'm Italian, so I don't know what to say. <laughs> I'm either listening to Sinatra, Dean Martin or Jerry Vale and my kids. Same thing. I remember uh, a couple of years ago when my my middle son, Caleb, who's like he's 28 now, uh, was like 22, 23 years old. And he is in his car getting ready to go golfing. So he's already a, an old mindset. And he was with his friends and he was listening to Sinatra. And his friends like, man, turn this off. Fucking put on some rap or put on whatever. Bro, he pulled over and he's like, get out. And they're like, what? We're all on the way to go golfing. He's like, get out. This is my music. This is my family's music. And he put back on Sinatra and drove the rest of the way to the golf course <laughs> with them. So music has a lot of uh, a lot of impact here over in this house for sure. You know, Brent Smith from Shinedown told me this great story about um, Michael Beinhorn bringing all the Sinatra records to Chris Cornell uh. when he was working on the album and and told Cornell, listen to all these Sinatra records. And that's when. Cornell wrote Black Hole Sun. No way. Whoa, fuck. And he said, go back and, and Michael Beinhorn, who produced the record, told Brent Smith this story. And if you go back and listen to it now, it's a crooner song. And I never I'm listened looking. to it that way until Brent told me that story. It's crazy. Chris vocally, I mean, I heard this thing about Chris vocally that he made up his own tuning that he was, he was in between sharp and flat. He was in between notes, but that was his vocal style. And it was the best. 
I mean, go back and listen to Bad Motor Finger, man, and tell me that's not one of the best records of all time. You and know? literally, we were was, talking about Rage. There's another band getting nominated yeah. for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, good for them. They deserve it for sure. For sure. They don't play enough gigs for me to, you know, I know they deserve it, but they should be, you know, I mean, how many times have they played in the last 20 years? Like five? I mean. Oh, who? You know. Rage, you mean? Rage. Oh, no. I was talking about Soundgarden. Oh, Soundgarden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Well, forget about it. That guy's voice. I mean, that band, you know, look, grunge never hit me. Like, I never, I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. And I've met Eddie Vedder, great guy. I respect him. Uh, I've, I've met, obviously, members of Nirvana. I never got to meet, uh, meet Kurt before he passed away. I never really got it. I never got into Hole. I never got into uh, whatever. What's the kid in the B costume? Oh, Blind Melon. Uh, yeah, I never got into that. I never, you know, that that just never, I never, that never hit me. I but was always on the Soundgarden, Alice in Chains side of grunge because to now, me, they Sound were metal Garden, bands. Yeah. That was a daily thing with me in my apartment in Hollywood. Daily that those records would go down. So, so some music hits you and some music don't, you know? Hey, did you listen to that uh, Mark Tremonti Sinatra record that he did for charity? Fucking, I heard one song and download, I paid for it immediately. It's raised over a million dollars for charity, he's told me, which is unbelievable. That dude, I can't even believe how hard he killed it. It made me want to do it. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Me and my wife, remember when we listened to that, Anastasia? Mark Tremonti? I do. Doing Sinatra? I remember we got a little romantic. Oh, yeah. I've got, <laughs> it may have got a little romantic oh, with us. Oh, snap. And he yeah, had it to may do have got, it with... It may, it may have got a little romantic. You may want to tell Mark, I think we may have fucked to that, those two. <laughs> <laughs> and to do it with Sinatra's band, like, talk about nerves. Unreal. Yeah. Unreal. And the balls. I mean... <laughs> coming from an Italian, the fucking balls of this kid. Yeah, and you can the only say it with the hand gesture. Yeah, the fucking balls of this kid. What does he think he can do? And he killed it. Absolutely killed it. I would love to, uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever mar met Mark. I don't think I've ever met Mark. He's one of the nicest guys in rock and roll. You'd love him. Yeah, good, good. I like guys with um, talent and no ego. I mean, I, you know me, Carrie, for a very long time. I'm very private. I'm probably one of the most private guys in the business, to be honest with you. And it's why I'm putting out the autobiography, because it's like people don't know anything about me. I, I rarely say what songs are about, you know? And um, I, I don't know. I, I, uh, I'd love to meet that dude and then just tell him, tell him what a badass job he did. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I, I talked to him about it, and he was like, I, you know, I always wanted to do it. And then when I had the chance to not only record it with Sinatra's band, but then he took the pictures for the record in Sinatra's dressing room in Vegas. And he was just like, holy shit. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, and he killed it too. He slayed it. Yeah. He's got a great voice, man. I watched some live stuff of, of him doing it. And yeah, he didn't miss, you know, he didn't miss a beat. So yeah, if you, if you talk to him, tell him I love it. <laughs> I will. You know? I, I may not include all of the extracurricular activities that took place while you were listening to it. I'll let you tell him that story. Uh, look, man, that's that. That's what keeps a marriage together. My <laughs> my my kids are constantly embarrassed because their parents are fucking three times a day after 25 years of marriage. 
<laughs> my husband's gonna listen to this this interview and be like, "Oh, really, Carrie? Three <laughs> actually, times son, you need to get actually, on it." My son is actually putting his uh, uh, fingers in his ears right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, before I let you go, I got to ask you this question. I call it the geezer butler question now because yeah. when I talked to geezer, he started talking about his pets, which I didn't realize he had 13 cats and five dogs. Okay. But then geezer butler dropped the hammer and told me that he names him and his wife name all their pets after gangster rappers. And I almost fell off the floor. <laughs> Amazing. It, I literally would not have expected that. And like, you could have shot me in the chest and it would have affected me less. Like, I couldn't stop laughing. So now it's, I call it the geezer butler question. So you got to tell me about your pets and you got to tell me where their names came from and blame geezer. Okay. <laughs> First of all, I love geezer. He's always been so cool to me. So is Iomi. And then obviously I've got you know, close ties to Ozzy over the years. So, and I thank him for helping me, you know, give me a career, actually Ozzy doing shock the monkey back in the day. So uh, we have six cats, uh, all our rescue, except one, uh, our main coon is the only one that's not a rescue because he comes from a championship line and stuff. He's actually only been here for about three or four weeks. And he's a, he's a kitten, but he looks like he's grown. He's huge. He's going to be, you know, he's be 23 pounds or whatever. So we, we have a thing here where we, actually kind of make fun. How do you, how do you say that? We kind of make fun of the people who like, uh, buy brand brand name shit, right? Like I've got to wear Gucci. I've got to wear Prada. I've got to wear Chanel. I've got to wear Louis Vuitton. Like that's all I wear. Now don't get me wrong. I'm Italian and I only wear Fila and I've got about 10 Fila tracksuits. So true story. So true story. Anastasia buys me about three or four a year. So our our cat's names are the main coon is Louis Vuitton. One of the rescues is Chanel. She's a female. The other, yeah, we call her Coco Chanel. The other rescue is Prada, and she's a she's a female. Um, the one cat that's a, that's a rescue only because I came out my door one evening and she was a tiny kitten starving. She literally ran up to me and jumped in my arms, which I proceeded to cry immediately and turned to Anastasia like, I'm keeping her. She goes, of course you are. Her name is Shiva. Her name is Shiva. Uh, because I, I follow a guy named Sadhguru and I meditate and I, I really like Indian food and Indian music. And I love Indian food. Actually, my last meal would be curry, to be honest with you. Uh, not not spaghetti, which I know a lot of people are going to be like, man, that falls on you. <laughs> uh, who, who am I missing? Oh, Prada, Prada, Chanel, Louis Vuitton, uh, Shiva. Uh, and then we had Gucci, who actually recently passed. We rescued him as a kitten and he only made it like four or five months. He was terrible off and we tried to, you know, tried to keep him. But he, he but we but we had Gucci. So that's why because we. I make terrible fun of people who are like, you know, I'm like, you just spent $5,000 on that purse and it's sitting on the floor in this restaurant. Like you could have put that in the college fund for your kids. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you know, but I'm a black t-shirt guy or I'm in Fila everywhere I go, to be honest with you. If I'm off tour, I'm dressing and looking <laughs> very Italian <laughs> anywhere I go. You know, How I'm not dressing. I'm Go ahead. If I'm going to dinner or whatever, I'm definitely in Fila. How uh, how hot can you eat Indian food? Vindaloo, which is the hottest, is my favorite. Oh, 
I love it. I don't know what it is, man. Um, and plus, I was vegan for a very, very long time, like a very long time, like 12 years, 13 years when it was not uh, like popular to be vegan. Not easy and, to be vegan. Yeah. And what happened was after COVID, I had several heart doctors be like, this vegan thing is going to kill you. Like you have to go back to eating grass fed steak or chicken once in a while. And certainly uh, be a lot of people may be pissed at me. If you're vegan, you're going to hear this because I love animals. I don't want to kill animals either. I'd rather hug a cow than watch it die for my steak. But when I started eating a little bit of chicken or a little bit of beef, actually it started to heal my body. I actually came out of COVID quicker. I, you know, I had several months, probably four or five months when I wasn't progressing. So I gave into it and said, well, I got to try everything. And I felt better, I would say, a week later after having some some animal protein in me. So I know a lot of people are probably going to be pissed, but it is what it is. It is what it is. I can't believe you can eat it, Vindaloo. Like, I'm sweating <laughs> just thinking about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I love hot curry. I love non-bread, garlic non-bread. Oh, me non too. Oh, my God, so good. And just, I don't know, there's just something about that that culture, that that meal in itself that I just, I, I love, I love, you know? Well, I think any culture that's based on good bread is a good culture. <laughs> you know, Italians are based on good bread. I'm a fifth oh, generation Sicilian baker, baby. Come on. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, we don't, I mean, here, Anastasia doesn't buy loaves of bread. She makes bread. So, you know, right now, actually, there's bread in the oven right now. Oh. My kid is just got home from the gym and he's waiting for it. And yeah, she makes she makes bread. She's there's, an insane baker. I do most of the cooking uh, as as Italian families go. The guys do most of the cooking unless it's like the Sunday afternoon or whatever. And every Sunday it's mandatory for my kids to be here at the house between 12 o'clock and one. And they got a mandatory state three. You could bring your girlfriend. You could be your friends, but you got to be here. And you got to have sauce because I get up every morning on a Sunday. I make sauce. Don't touch my sauce. Don't stir my sauce. Don't add anything to my sauce. Don't fuck with my sauce. <laughs> it's literally like we're brother and sister. <laughs> yeah, no, but, you know, uh, it may, maybe needs a little more brown sugar. Do me a favor. Don't touch my fucking wooden spoon. <laughs> You're going to get cracked. Are you growing tomatoes out back? We are. We are. Actually, I'll send you some photos. She's got huge tomato plants going right now. Because I just turned so, my garden over because obviously in New yeah. England, the season's a little different. Yeah. Getting everything ready. Getting ready for the tomatoes out there. Yeah. Every year we probably jar about 30, I'd say maybe 30, 40 jars. And I give some to my mama and... You know, you know, my I'm, sister and my brother live a block away. They get a couple jars and and then a lot of the jars go in the freezer. I'm a, and, I'm in a crisis right now because I just used my last jar from last year. <laughs> and there's no tomato sauce in my house right now. And there's yeah. a little bit of a panic problem. <laughs> yeah. And I have like a thing, too, where like every year I try something different. Like this one needs more Roma tomatoes in it. This one needs more. Like, let's try to throw these like, you know, some of these other beefsteak or let's use some of these pearl tomatoes. Or whatever, you know, let's see what we can do. And then I have a thing too where it's like only one basil leaf in the jar. And if you're loading jars with me and you load two, like I'm in there with my fingers, I get like, <laughs> I told you one leaf, one basil leaf, you know, you don't want this to taste like, you know, when you take it out four months from now, you don't want it to taste like basil. But and it's basil love, you but, grew in the backyard. Yeah. 
We do. We just got huge basil plants. I love to cook. That's my happy place. So, um, I mean, my band and my crew can attest to this. So on the last tour with Cradle, uh, the very first day was in Arizona and I got up and cooked breakfast burritos for the whole, the whole, both buses and crews. So like, I, A, I got to constantly keep doing something because like ADD, I can't just sit around. And B, I think people love a good home cooked meal, whether you're on the road or you're home. You know, and I, I really enjoy uh, cooking and I, you know, and I've become, become great at it, you know. Is that Anastasia- part of the gig with Mudvayne that they, they're going to have you in the kitchen on the tour? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I've got to, I got to talk to Chad. I mean, definitely, <laughs> uh, definitely there'll be some cooking going on on that tour. I mean, it's going to be summer, right? So we'll definitely have a barbecue out there. And, and um, there's nothing like fresh corn and fresh vegetables too on the barbecue in the summertime. Like that's just, for me, that's the best, Yeah. you know. And then uh, amphitheaters is going to be great because, you know, we'll have room to do that kind of thing. I'm really looking forward to this tour. You know, I've loved Mudvayne for a long time. Great guys. Uh, they had their their problems trying to, I guess, get their name back and all sorts of stuff, you know, that they've been through. So it's good to see them come through and, and get ready to go on this tour with them. It's going to be great. I think amphitheaters is, is ambitious. But like I said, I love ambitious things. I I I tend to take it on and uh, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. I think it's gonna be a really fun summer and people should definitely come out because uh, I don't think Cold Chamber ever toured with Mudvayne. We toured with a lot of bands, Pantera, Black Sabbath. You guys were never on the OzFest together? Maybe on OzFest, but I mean, never a tour tour. Yeah. Same thing with System. We did shows together, but we never toured together. Um yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. I'm kind of doing double duty this year because I had three years off, you know, to, you know, late 2019 to go through Anastasia's cancer stuff, then the pandemic and then me and my health stuff. And so I've been off for way too long. So I'm doing double duty this year and I'm having a good time doing it. Uh, we're releasing box sets for Cold Chamber that's getting ready to come out. You're the first one to hear that. Yeah. Also releasing a huge box set with Devil Driver. First one to hear that. Yes. And uh, autobiography, you know, maybe the seventh day to hear that, but that's coming out. That's a hell of a read. Uh, Everybody's told me to write a book about my life. Here's my question. And you're not the first author that I've asked this. How do you get over the first blank page? Start. That it's within any journey begins with the starting point. Just start. And just, you know, I, I, I'm, I, it's a two book deal that Anastasia got. So my youth through Cold Chamber and then the next one is the Devil Driver years, which are insane stories. <laughs> and this one, it's like, just start. Okay, where do we start? All right, let's start when I was a kid. Let's start when I was a child, you know? All right, well, let's go over some things that happened to you, you know? And then we started, we went from there. I think people are going to get a, you know, because I am so private, and I really haven't talked a lot about this. I think people are going to get a huge glimpse of, you know, where I come from as a, as a person. I, and I left home at an early age. I slept under bridges. I stole food. I went to jail. <laughs> you know, like, I can't believe where I'm at right now. You know, I'm in a 5,000 square foot house overlooking a golf course with kids that are raised in plastic cars in the driveway. I mean, it's crazy. So, you know, I think just start, Carrie. Just start. Be like, I was born on this date to my mother and father. Da, da, da. I grew up loving pasta in the afternoon, whatever it is, write it. And you'll find that'll just start pouring out of you. That's the way it was with me. You know, I got to tell some real 
crazy stories. I've had some, you know, I, I don't want to say sad, but I've had some sad shit happen in my life. That's the only thing you got to do, right, is be real and be ready to confront anything that's like that. Like, I've had a lot of suicides in my family. I've had a lot of stuff, right? Confront it. And what I found, uh, it's going to sound so, it's, it's going to sound so arty, arty. <laughs> but it was so cathartic. Yeah was one of the most cathartic to, the the first day that I actually got all the drafts back to me and I said, okay, this eight chapters, I'm going to need like three hours, whatever to read. And I sat down and I read it. It was my own story. And I had tears at least two or three times. And Anastasia was like, you okay? And I said, yeah, this is just, not only did I think I wouldn't be thinking I would tell anybody this shit, but like reading where I come from and it's like, how the hell, Am I here? And she's like, honey, you're fucking tenacity. You're a Work. fucking ball breaker. Like, are you kidding me? You fucking on your ball breaker. You bounce back. You're one of the most insanely driven people I know. You know, please sleep longer than four hours one time. <laughs> well, the aforementioned geezer Butler told me the process of writing his memoir that comes oh. out soon. And he said it was this daunting thing that was always hanging over him. That he of felt course. like anytime he wanted to do something else, he's like, but I should be writing. And he felt yes. so good handing in that draft because he was like, finally, he was free to kind of get back to his life again. Yeah. I mean, it is it is daunting. I mean, the thing with me is I was like somebody in an interview the other day, I, I told him I never look back. Like, that's my thing. That's why, you know, I still, you know, skateboard in my mid 50s. I, I just don't I don't look back. And I said, Dan Station, it's too early, man. This is too early for an autobiography. Like I should be doing this shit in my late sixties. She's like, what happens if you're not alive? And I'm like, Oh shit. I almost died from COVID. And that was just a 48 hours. I went from, Hey, everything's fine. I'm not going to catch this thing to 104 degree fever. You're, you're, you're going down. And I realized, yeah, you're right. If there's anything to do, let's do it now. You know, and I actually said to her in the same conversation, you know, that restaurant we haven't been to in like six months is like, put on your shoes, we're going. So that's that's the way that it is. So it's going to be daunting until you start. Once you start, it's going to flow. And then if you find yourself doing mundane bullshit, like watching, I don't know, fucking Frasier on TV for the 10th time, <laughs> stop, take, pick up a pen and go, go right. Because what you'll find is like, once you get, I think, once you get 20, maybe 30 uh, pages in and you're going over your uh, going over your life and you get to maybe the point when you're 15, 16, 17, it's going to start flowing so hard, you know, you know, and then and then as well, let me tell you, be as honest as you can with everybody because it's your story. It's going to live forever. And people want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly. Um. I mean, I try, I had a lot of people I could actually go after <laughs> in this for stealing money from me or whatever throughout my life. I didn't. I I didn't I actually painted a different picture of their good parts or what have you. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's another thing. Don't try not to go after anybody. Try to like do your life, but don't don't use it as a fucking vendetta. Is what my co-writer actually said. Because I was telling I was telling a story one time, and he stopped me, and he's like, "Because we co-wrote." And he stopped me and he goes, you want to tell this story? And I go, why? He goes, it seems like you're fucking awful salty. And I said, yeah, well, I'm missing a lot of fucking money. And this person thought it out. He goes, let's not go down that road, homie. You don't want to use your book as a fucking knife. 
Don't use it as a weapon. And I went, oh my God, that's one of the best things. And so there was no more, there was more stories like that, but we never even brought it up. We just, we just went for it. So yeah, just start, you know, and then, and then do what I do with writing music, which is like, I force myself. I just say, that's it. I know between two and three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm done with business for a minute. Most people go to lunch. I'm running management companies and huge clothing lines that are in the mall and whatever. Okay. Between two and three, don't fuck with me. Uh, excuse the cold chamber pun. Don't fuck with me. <laughs> it's, well, it's actually it, the word, the, the lyrics are from loco for those of you who don't know. So, uh, and so, yeah, I would go in and I would write and I would just write. So I think you need to do the same thing. It's just get in and write. Well, you talk about how COVID affected you. And since I talked to you last, you know, they say this thing kind of goes after parts of you. And I found out my mom had been diagnosed with Alzheimer's and then she, then she got COVID. Be careful. And she never came back from it. She, her brain, like, and all of those stories to get back to the book, all of those stories are lost now because they're gone forever. Oh, I'm so sad for you and your family and God bless, man. I uh, lost my, uh, my grandfather, my favorite grandfather to Alzheimer's as well. And like the only one at the table he would remember was me. He would always call me big boy. I love you, big boy. I love you. You know, uh, you know, and he, he, you know, he'd sit at the table and sing barbershop quartet songs, you know, and my father would actually be like, you know, I'll not try to silence him, but Hey, you know, whatever. And I'd look at my dad, like, let him sing, man. Like that's, what's making him feel good. He's singing singing you know so i'm so sorry for for that and it is amazing uh, how music finds a way to connect with people that have alzheimer's it's crazy and it's bringing him back to that time when he was a kid whatever it is you know and covid's a dangerous thing we came off this last tour we the last show was in albuquerque we hit albuquerque it seemed like a storm was following us the whole time it was freezing we hit albuquerque it was supposed to be sunny was snowing right anastasia said i'm starting to feel a little sick and I was like, yeah, I'm about six hours from stage. I'm starting to feel a little weird too. And we came home and we had a two-day drive, a thousand-mile drive. And we had a two-day drive. And by the time we got home, we were so sick as fuck. And I said, you know what? Go get a COVID test. And she goes, really? And I go, go get, you know, we had some upstairs. And we tested. I mean, within, you know, those things take 14, 15 minutes to manifest, right? Within seconds, it was like, boom. Oh, shit, I have COVID again. So my whole my whole thing was, oh, my God, is this going to this second one? Is this going to take me down? Is this going to hit my heart? Is it? Thank God it was only like a 17 day sickness. But I was tired all day. The same shit, sleeping all day, couldn't eat, uh, you know, and I'm trying to keep weight on, actually, because I got so skinny over covid that I didn't look like myself. And I look better. I'm five, seven, but I look better like any Italian guy with a little bit of a little bit of belly on a little bit of arms and belly on you. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I was, I was really like, you know, tripping out. Um, and, 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 and luckily she came out of it quicker than I did her second time. and only took her eight or nine days and she was good. Took me a little longer, but yeah, people got to be careful. And I heard all the chatter. COVID's not real. COVID's real. It's like, listen, man, millions of people died. Well, it's from here. It was made by, and I'm like, I don't give a fuck about any of the chatter. Let's just talk about the, the human process of shutting down the world and people dying. Right. And I was right there. And it's not even just the people dying. I lost probably some of the last months of my mom's healthy brain because of it. She's still alive, but it completely changed everything. 
I'm so sorry for that. You know, I'm so, it just, I'm it, so sorry. It for affects that. Yeah, every, I, like, I still haven't gotten it that I know of, which is well, so here's weird. The thing. I, my brother and sister have never got it, but they have the antibodies, which means they've got it. They right. had it, but it never affected them. Right. You know, and everybody wants to talk to me. Well, have you been vaxxed? Have you not been vaxxed? It's like, do me a favor. Don't talk to me about vax, no vax. Don't talk to me about guns. Don't talk to me about the presidents. Don't, do me a favor. <laughs> right. We're talking about COVID. We're talking about a fucking disease that's killing people. Right. Like, come on. Like, let's talk about that. So, yeah, I'm sorry for that. I'm, I'm so sorry for that. And like, we lost a lot of great people in our life and in, in around our lives. Um, I got to say goodbye to one of my uh, closest friends, um, you know, who died alone in a hospital with no family around him. That's why Anastasia never let me go. The EMTs twice told me to go, you know, after they got me out of the, they took me to the makeshift hospital where they all have hazmats or whatever and shot my stomach up with antibodies and all this other stuff. And we don't want to end this on a big downer, but like uh, she wouldn't let them put me in the hospital. Because she's like, he's not going to die alone on a ventilator. If he's going to die, he's going to die here at home. And I mean, I was like, are you sure? I mean, she's Jewish and Mayan, right? Which means she's she's thrifty with money, but heads will fucking roll. <laughs> and, I, and I said to her, you're sure you're not Italian? Like, that's a very Italian thing to fucking oh, yeah. say. Fucking, my, 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 my husband is going to die here at home, not alone. So We were yeah, afraid my a- mom was going to get it in with Alzheimer's, be in the hospital and be alone and not have any idea what the hell was going on. So again, she's staying home. Like, yeah, it's, and it's, it's sad. What, what I have read and I've read a lot about Alzheimer's as well is that talk to her about her youth. Yeah. Bring her pictures of her youth, her old dogs, maybe. Uh, and the you know music, what I mean? the music more than anything. I put on a Beatles record. She's right there. It's unbelievable. Oh, man. It's so That's crazy. Awesome. That is so awesome. Yeah, that she, is so. Awesome. She doesn't know who I am, but but she but she knows who the Beatles are. It's so crazy. Yeah, and you know, like there's some people who think that she actually does know who you are, but in her mind, she can't tell yeah. you that. Yeah, she can't get it out. So, it's yeah, like a I'm, patch bay to go to a musical recording reference that the patches just aren't connected right. That it's all in it. there. I, that's it. I always say to my wife, if I'm ever going like that, like try to help me out, man. Like, you know, like literally out, like out. Yeah. Oh no, you know? I get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And, the uh, conversations that you have when, when you're confronted with that, with the people you love yeah. and you're like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I saw my grandfather get, it, it was really difficult for me. I mean, cause he's a fucking hard guy. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and it's like, oh man, this is, this, and, and and then I think, well, is it in my family? Like, is that going to, you know, right and then I've read, I've read, again, I've read, I've read, and I'm pro cannabis for a lot of different things. Uh, even CBD, I'm pro, I'm pro, I've read that cannabinoids actually keep that away and stop that process from happening. So they're doing a lot of research on it now, which is a really good thing. My sister and I yeah. do a lot of reading on all of the different studies and all of the different things that they think might contribute to it. And yeah, so it's, it yeah. science and research is amazing mine, that way. I had a friend of mine, he's in his early, early thirties, actually young. He's a kid compared to me. And he always, he had these shakes all the time. And I'm like, what's going on with you? You know, you got to go get your, your brain checked because there's something happening. And sure enough, if he'd be talking to you, he'd be like this. And if he took one hit of a joint, 
he'd be good. He'd be stuttering when he's speaking. I I, I want to go, go, let's go eat. And he'd take one hit and he'd be like, hey, man, let's go eat. Are you hungry? So, yeah, they need to do more research. They need well, to do more. I mean, luckily, luckily, that's all being done right now. That everybody knows the good properties in every herb that's put on this planet, including cannabis. So hopefully, you know, they'll they'll find a breakthrough with that. And I'm sure that there's something for Alzheimer's in cannabinoids. Oh, I'm sure uh, there is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, well, I mean, and, it's and legal knows? in Massachusetts now. I never thought I'd live to see that day. Oh, hell no. Back in the day, I was like, we're coming into Boston. Put the shit in the trailer. <laughs> You couldn't even legally get tattoos here when you and I met. That's right. I remember that. Absolutely. I mean, there's still places in the country where I'm like, I'm just not going to cruise with flour in the bus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, It's just not going to (laughs) happen. So, you know, I'm not about to go to jail in whatever, Missouri or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, we got a fucking hilarious story. Let's go here. This 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 is more fun. Fucking hilarious story. So <laughs> Devil Driver, we're riding and we're in the bus and uh, it's probably the fourth day on tour. And this is years and years ago. We're coming through St. Louis and all of a sudden there's a cop behind us and the driver's letting everybody know like he does on the bus. Hey, we're getting pulled over. I'm like, cool. Nobody smoke a weed on the bus or what have you. But I had at least, I would say, an ounce, ounce and a half of weed on me. Personal and use, like, personal use. And, Personally, but I'm like, this is St. Louis. I'm definitely going to jail, right? So <laughs> he goes, hey, there's not one car behind us. There's four cars and two cop trucks behind us. This thing is going to get boarded. That's what my driver said. So I immediately put everything down the toilet, which has a lot of like RV blue stuff down in there, what have you, right? And I close it up. I wash it down and make sure there's nothing seen, right? You can still smell it a little bit because I had to open it up to dump it, right? This cop comes on. And after three hours of us sitting on the side of the road, and I mean four cops and two trucks and everybody going through everything, going through all of our shit, he finally comes up to me and he's like, so we can't find it. Where is it? And I said, honestly, I do not know what you're talking about. There's two things that I've learned from law enforcement. A, don't say shit if you don't have to. And B, if you know you're going to get fucked and they ask you, then go ahead and be straight up, be be a man, be fucking honest. Yeah, I got some weed on me. Let's get this over with, right? But I had nothing on me. So I told him the fucking truth. I got nothing on me. He finally looks at me. He goes, I'll bet if I dump that toilet, I'm going to find a bunch of weed. And I said, well, you know, something's really funny here, officer. We're on the freeway. And if you dump that toilet, there's so much RV blue fluid in there. You're going to have to call call a hazmat unit. And I don't know if your superiors are going to be happy with that. You're going to have to shut down the freeway probably. This shit's going to go everywhere. It's going to get all over your hands. Like, yeah, Literal I do shit's going to go everywhere. And I, and I told him, and I said, I wouldn't do that if I was you. And he's like, you know what? And he literally said to me, you know what? Fuck you. And they left. <laughs> and they left. And I was like, and it's so many years ago, I don't mind talking about it. But, but um, and, uh, oddly enough, about four or five years later, I was at a gig uh, out right outside of St. Louis and got approached by a dude. And he's like, you know what? I was one of those cops that boarded your bus five years ago. I've always been a fan. You're, you were fucking cool that day. Can you <laughs> tell me, did you have any drugs on the bus? I said, I didn't have drugs. He goes, did you have weed? I said, I did. He goes, was it in the toilet? I go, it was. <laughs> so just hilarious. Just it's actually it's in the book. There's a shitload of stories like that. A shitload of fucking 
stories. Tommy Lee told a story that when they try to cross the border, he used to put it up on the roof of the tour bus. And they, oh, smart move. They'd board it, search it, and then as soon as they'd get, before they drove too fast and it would blow off, he'd reach back up on the roof of the bus and pull it back down again. Smart move. Smart move. <laughs> one of the, um, uh, this is how actually, here's a real quick one and then we'll end it, but it, and it's actually in the book, so I'll just tell you a real brief, a real brief one. But when I first started touring with Pantera, uh, I became really good friends with, with Ensamo. I was riding on his bus. And uh, we were coming out of Dallas. They had just played. There was like 15, 20,000 people in an arena. We were coming out. We left at like, I don't know, one, two o'clock whenever buses leave. We were in the back. He had an ounce of weed. And I swear to God, we didn't get more than four miles. We're in Texas. Back in the day, they catch you with an eighth of weed, which is this much weed, going to jail for a very long time. Bus driver said the same thing. We're getting boarded. And I was like, oh, shit. And... Philip was like, what am I going to do? What are we going to do? And I'm like, bro, you got huge gigs to make. I can miss a gig. Let me have the weed. And he's like, what? And I go, you're Italian. I'm Italian. Let me show how you do it. I grabbed an ounce of weed that he had. I put it down my pants. Right then they came on the bus. Everybody out. We're all out. They walk a dog by us. The fucking dog. When they when a dog sits down, that's when you're fucked. They don't go after you. They sit down. The dog kept going by all of us and kept going by me. So he must not have been a marijuana dog, right? They must have been looking for cocaine or some other bullshit. So now they're like, okay, we didn't find anything. We're out. You guys can roll. And Philip just comes back to me and give me a fucking huge hug. And we <laughs> sat there and ate Taco Bell in the back lounge of the bus, man. You know, um, it was, ins- it was just crazy. It was, it was crazy. And the story is actually way longer than that because I hit another ounce that they had underneath some Taco Bell. And then when their dog went, he was going for the weed, but he was going for the Taco Bell. The driver said, hey, you know, it's three in the morning. I'm not going to get any more food from my guys. Keep your fucking dog away from the food. And that Taco Bell and my quick moves actually saved it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Well, then, stories- well, Phil owes you... Passes to the Metallica tour for that story. <laughs> he still well, owes uh, you. I actually, I actually owe him. I mean, Pantera took me out a long time. He turned me on to a lot of fucking heavy music. I lived on and off at his house for years. It's, it's all in the book. I actually, I actually owe him a great deal. So I'm glad to see him doing his thing too. And yeah, it's like I owe, I owe a lot of guys a, a, a great debt for taking me out or getting behind me. Guys like Ozzy, guys like Ensemble, guys, you know, a lot of the guys that took me out on tour. Dave Mustaine from Megadeth took me out a lot. Uh, you know, obviously Sabbath. I did the world with Sabbath a couple of times. Like, you know, I owe Sharon Osbourne a, a great debt uh, for managing me and, and, and actually putting me and my wife together because the first time I, I was with Anastasia, uh, we we're pulling into the forum in LA and Sharon said, Oh, is that your new girlfriend? I said, yeah. Next thing I know they were gone for three hours. And Sharon came back. It's like, I, I'm like, where were you to Anastasia? She's like, I was hanging out with Sharon, talking with Sharon. And Sharon's like, this is going to be your wife. I'm telling you right now. And sure as shit, sure as shit, we've been together the whole fucking time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Anastasia didn't even know I was a musician. She thought I was a fucking drug dealer because I was living in the Beverly Hills Hotel and the La Park Hotel in Beverly Hills. She's like, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, the last thing I wanted to tell her was rock and roll because then she may jump on. And then she may jump on it. You know what I mean? So um, I said, hey, do me a favor. Like, let's go out tonight. Show up Show up over at the hotel nice and early. Uh, I got some friends coming to pick us up. We're going to go somewhere. 
just dress comfortable, but kind of be rock and roll. She's like, okay, great. And next thing you know, a tour bus pulls up at the hotel and we're walking in it. She's like, what are we doing? What do you do? And I'm like, this is a band called Pantera. They're picking me up. Let's get on their tour bus. Get we your got pole. on their tour bus. <laughs> on the Pantera tour bus, on Phil's bus. They rolled me down through, uh, rolled me down underneath the forum. And she's like, where are we going? And I'm like, you know, Black Sabbath and Pantera are playing tonight. We're going to go see them. And I'm going to introduce you to my manager, who's Sharon. She's like, what? And I'm like, I'm a singer in a band. And she's like, holy fuck. She saw me first at a funeral, at Lynn's, at Lynn Strait's funeral, actually. God rest in peace. One of the best fucking front men that ever lived, to be honest with you. Um, she saw me at his funeral, but didn't want to approach me because it wasn't kind of hard cool. to pick up somebody at a funeral. Yeah. Well, I was, I was in the Rose garden, hanging my head with a bottle of wine, kicking rocks. I was extremely upset. Yeah. And at that point I said, you didn't put it together. I was a musician. Like there's a bunch of fucking musicians. She goes, yeah, there's a lot of drug dealers. There's a lot of people there. You know what I mean? She goes, I didn't know what the fuck. So, so yeah, that's, um, I just was <laughs> talking to Clint about that video, the angel son video and yeah. all of the amazing musicians that are just sitting around the fire in that video. It's a time capsule, that video. It's crazy. Yeah, me and Lynn, like, we had, we we became friends because I had it out for him. So we ruled L.A. I mean, Corn was bussing people up to L.A. to fill their shows when Coal Chamber was packing on our own because we were from L.A. And here comes this band called fucking Snot. And I'm like, this ain't happening. And so one time in front of the Roxy, everybody was kind of like at each other. We, we, there was a team mentality with new metal, but not really. We helped each other out. We played shows, but it was all about, I want to play shows with you so I could kick your ass on stage. And here comes snot. And one time in front of the Roxy, I actually said to him, Hey, you're fucking Lynn from snot. He goes, yeah, you're Devs from cold chamber. I've got your, your tape at my house. Like I'm a fucking fan. I go, yeah, well, I'm not a fucking fan. Go the fuck back to Santa Barbara. True story. Total dick move. I own up to it. I own up to it in my book, as a matter of fact. And uh, and Lynn's like, instead of us fighting, because it looks like, are we going to fight right now? And I'm like, I don't know. He's like, instead of us fighting, why don't we go in the Roxy, do a couple shots, and then I've got a fat joint in my car. Let's go smoke some weed. And I was like, we're going to be bros. And we ended up, we ended up being friends. Do we, we just become friends best and, friends? You want to go do karate in the garage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we are we best friends now? Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yeah, I love it. By the way, I love that movie, Step yeah. Brothers. That's a bus. That's a bus movie. It's always running on the bus. Yep, exactly. Yeah. So cool, man. Cool. cool it was story. so good to see you, dude. I'm so happy that you're good. Like I was worried you, about dude. you. You were too quiet for a while. I knew something was going on. And yeah. then all the news came out about how sick you were. And I was like, okay, now I don't want to bother him because I figured you're recovering and everybody's bothering you. So. I love you. And it's great going down too. memory lane and tell people that are in your life that you love them. Tell them you love them now because tonight you could walk off the curb and get hit by an ice cream truck. Yeah. And no pun intended. No cold chamber pun intended. I, I was going to say, how many cold chamber references are you putting in this interview? Yeah. And actually, I don't even know how they're coming out like that. But that's, <laughs> the truth. <laughs> that's the truth. So like, like try to, try to just, you know, tell people in life that you love them and try to try to be a good person and be good to your teenagers, your new teenagers and be good to your new husband. And hopefully he'll be good to you. And 
He's got yeah, terrible taste in music, but I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. Life's a beautiful thing. Life's a really beautiful thing. I did an interview with a guy the other day that said, you know, well, I'm not really happy in life, Des. Like, I'd be fine just to, like, not be here. And I just, I took him to task for, like, 10 minutes in his own interview about how beautiful life is and how incredible it is when you're in the backyard and a butterfly swings. I mean, it doesn't sound incredibly metal, but when a butterfly swings by your face, how beautiful that is. A butterfly's metal as fuck. <laughs> I saw a black butterfly with red wings. <laughs> it was so fucking metal. But yeah, man. Um, I think just live life. Try to be try to be good to the people around you and try to be true to yourself. And it was great going down fucking memory lane. Of course you and I could do it for the next fucking four hours, but I think your your viewers, your listeners are gonna get bored as shit. I don't so. know, man. The last time you and I did it, it was pretty goddamn entertaining. I can't yeah. wait to do it in person again. I'm so happy you guys are going out on the road this summer. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it around the book. I mean, right now we're talking about dealing with demons coming out May 12th. So yep. that's a, the second part of a double record. But let's do it when the book comes out because at that point, I can really kind of go into things more. And I'd love to have you read it and then be able oh, to. yeah. You know, because you're in the book. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. I mean, you helped break all of our careers. I don't think without you, Boston would have seen the fucking light of day of Seven Dust, uh, Coal Chamber. I mean, let me go down the line of bands. Mm. You know, we all owe you a great, a great, a great fucking deal. You know, so. You can pay you know. me in sauce from the tomatoes. <laughs> you know, she, she just said I could pay her in sauce. Make sure we got some extra jars. <laughs> oh, shit. He's amazing. We'll do that. So, yeah. You'll be in town July 30th at the Xfinity Center on the Mudvayne Tour. The new album, May 12th. There's it, there's a lot going on. A lot going on. Autobiography coming out. Uh, hit me up on Instagram. If I'm on there, I'll say hi to you. Label's trying to get me to do a TikTok. I said, absolutely not. I just deleted my Twitter, and I don't know how long I'll be on Instagram. I'm just like, as I get older, I'm getting more and more private, which, of course, I shouldn't be doing. Oh, it's a perfect time to write a book when you're trying to be private. <laughs> I said, after the book comes out, can I just get off social media completely? My wife's like, I laugh at you because she's my manager. <laughs> like, I laugh at you. No, you no, you cannot. <laughs> well, you- say goodbye. Yes. Bye, Carrie. Bye. Can't wait to see you. Hope to see you soon. Yeah, you will. I'll see you this summer. It was so good to see yeah, you guys. Gonna, yeah, you're coming out to that gig, right? Yeah, I should be. Yeah. The- yeah. So come see Mudvayne and Cole Chamber. And, uh, Oh my God. And Nonpoint and Guar and Butcher Babies. It's a huge show. Dude, you know what's crazy? Anastasia, these? I got these. Hold my phone right here. I got these the year that I met you. What? Oh. The year that you had us on the radio, somebody came up and gave this of me and Anastasia. Oh my God. Yeah. Aren't they cute? They're yeah. adorable. You guys I like to put them in suggestive position. Yeah, yeah, they gave me mine, and actually, they gave me Anastasia's one like a year or two later because, you know, that we we met we met later on. But and now they sit here like they stare they stare at me. Wait, hold on. I have to show you mine. Hold on. Awesome. She's got one too. I put them in suggestive positions. <laughs> in suggestive positions. Yeah. I have Muppet Mistress. Oh my God, look at it. Check it out. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. She looks like she's seeing the She has my nails and everything. 
And like, I love it. That's so cool. That's, I love the Muppets. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? One of the best things, and it's going to sound terribly fucking heavy metal. One of the best things I've ever seen is the Haunted Mansion Muppet Haunted Mansion movie. On Disney Plus. On Disney Sorry. Plus. One of the, they so fucking well done. Dude, like I, I spent 20 minutes talking to Alice Cooper about being on the original Muppet show. Alice Cooper said that. it was the best thing he's ever done in his career. We just watched that like about what a week or two ago. We I just watched that. The best thing he's ever done in his career. I watched that, and that was that's how I learned about Alice Cooper as a youth. Yeah. See? And I just yeah. talked to Billy Corrigan, and he's on the new one, The Muppet Mayhem with the band. No that's shit, so mate. Cool. Yeah. That, yeah. It's yeah, on cool. Disney wow. Plus. Tommy Lee's in it, right? Yeah. And yeah, they kidnapped. Him. Tattoo mayhem on his belly because he already oh, has that God. on his Fucking belly. Fucking crazy. Yeah, and Billy Corgan really? from the Smashing Pumpkins is on it too. It's crazy. I've never met Billy, but I met Alice a, a bunch of times. What a great fucking guy. Yeah. Never ever uh uh stops to not take the time to say hi to you. Even if you're in catering, it's like, hey Alice, what's up? Hey, what's up, Des? And I'm like, fuck, he knows my name. <laughs> it's Alice Cooper. Unbelievable. Forget about it. And the fact that I managed Wednesday 13, of course. We always talk about Alice Cooper. Yeah. You know, he told his. me, he told me to this day, every year on his birthday, the Muppets send him a little Muppet figurine. Uh, that to, to, to this day, every year on his birthday, the Muppets send him, Anastasia, a little Muppet figurine. Oh my God. Since That's... the 70s when he was on the original show. I love it. Pure class, I man. asked Nita I'll Strauss be... to steal one for me the next time she's in his house. Oh, we love Nina. <laughs> she's awesome. Yeah, she's the best. She's an incredible talent, to be honest with you. Yeah, she is. She's an incredible talent. So, look, we'll catch up. Yeah. We'll catch up. We'll see you guys soon. Love you so much. Love you, too. I'll talk to you guys later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, that was fun. There he is, the one and only Des Fafara from Devil Driver and Cold Chamber. The new Devil Driver album, Dealing with Demons 2, comes out this Friday, May 12th. And Cold Chamber are part of the Psychotherapy Sessions Tour with Mudvayne, Guar, Nonpoint, and Butcher Babies. The tour kicks off July 20th in West Palm Beach, Florida, and runs through August 26th in Englewood, California. The only New England date is July 30th at the Xfinity Center in Mansfield, Massachusetts, and tickets for the entire tour are on sale now. If you're looking for more information on Dez, Cold Chamber, or Devil Driver, check out the show notes of this episode of the podcast. You'll also find all of my links and the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the podcast that features all of my guest music and all the other artists and songs we talked about in the episode. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday, plus every weekday you get the sit rep, which boils down all of your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment industry info in just five minutes. And plus, you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can always find me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room, and you can listen every day to the Mistress Carrie radio show. Get all the details on that and more at mistresscarrie.com. The Mistress Carrie podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.